0: Oh, it's a glorious day today, yeah? Man, I could take this every day. If you have your Bibles with you, please turn to Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 15. And we will pick it up. Verse 11. And he said a certain man had two sons the younger of them said to his father father give me the portion of goods that falleth to me my inheritance and he divided it unto them his living not many days after the younger son gathered all together he took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and he joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his field to feed swine. Now he would fain to have his belly with the husk that would that the swines did eat, but no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, how many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and, and even to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise, I'll go to my father, and I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and no more worthy to be called thy son, make me as one of your hire, or hired servants. He arose, and he came to his father, but when he was yet A great way off, his father saw him, and he had compassion, and he ran, and he fell on his neck, and he kissed him. The son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said unto his servants, Bring forth the best robe, put it on him. Put a ring on his hand, shoes on his feet. Bring hither the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost, is found, and they began to be merry. Now the elder son was in the field, and as he came he drew nine to the house, and he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked, what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father has killed the fatted calf, because he had received him safe and sound. And he was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he said, And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I. At any uh, time, at your commandments, and yet thou never gave me a kid, a goat, for I that I might be, you know, make merry with my friends. But as soon as, as soon as, as this thy son has come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. He could just see this guy bullying me, you know. And he said to him, Son, thou art ever with me. And all that I have is is thine, it's yours. It was meat that I, it's fitting that I, that we should make merry and be glad. For this, your brother was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and is found. Let's stand together with Bible in hand and pray over this. Father, again, we just thank you. And, and Lord, the reason we stand is just, Lord your word it's um it's it's precious to us Lord but we want to handle it Lord with reverence we want to look into the word and ask that your Holy Spirit would instruct us and lead us and guide us and so we never want to come on as it were holy ground without first asking for your blessing upon it please Lord just ask again for ears to hear Hearts to receive. Anoint us, Lord, just to receive your precious word this morning. It's in Jesus' name we ask. And everyone said together, amen, amen. Thank you, guys. Again, um, and I think it's really important, especially for those who um, consider themselves as students of the Scriptures, that whenever you're trying to interpret Um, A parable there are different rules of interpretation Uh, and I think the first rule is that you try to find the central theme to the parable and uh, and you always want to be careful not to go into a parable thinking you're going to find doctrine or a theological um, position um, you got to remember that when jesus used parables it was because he was trying to convey one thing you know and so in order to find out what that is what the central thought is you have to establish the context now again this is our third week i think going through these parables and i probably said this every week but again um, next week chapter 16 i'm going to be saying it again um, what we have to make sure is we, we keep the context and the context stems from a dinner that that Jesus had with religious leaders and um, they tried to entrap him and he dealt with that issue and he warned the host about the way he, he would invite his guests he he warned those that were attending the feast the way they would try to jockey around and get the best seat of honor and he warned them with that you know and then when he turned around he noticed leaving that dinner banquet he had some people following and he says look if you really want to follow me you want to be a disciple well then you know that's not an easy task and i appreciate the honesty of the lord you know if you're going to do that you got to consider that there's building there's battling there's you know that you're you're to be the salt of the earth and if and, and if and if, if you're not there's not there you can't follow me um the salt of the earth you know if if, if salt loses its purpose then what good is salt for uh, you don't you don't even use it in my old king you don't even use it for the dunghill it's good for nothing and then he says after that if you have ears to hear let him hear what the spirit has to say And so when we go through these parables, it seems that that is the central thought, that there are things that only the Holy Spirit of God can say to someone, but it's up to that someone to open their ears and say, okay, I want to hear what you have to say when it comes to discipleship, or when it comes to being the salt of the earth. What does that mean? Back then salt was used for Uh, a preservative. They would put it on their their meats to preserve it. It was used as an antiseptic. If you had a wound, you would put salt in it. It was also used as a salary for the Roman soldiers. So so if it's not being used for that, it's good for nothing. And that's what he's saying. If you're not the salt, well, I want to be a salt. You want to follow me? I want to follow you. All right, well, listen to these parables. And that's where we get thrust into these series of parables. There's actually five of them because next week hopefully i'll deal with the, the 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 two in chapter 16 um but here um we last week we dealt with the parable of the um lost sheep and uh you know that's where you, you jesus leaves well the shepherd leaves the 99 and go, goes after the one and of course, you can look at a parable and go, well, yeah, I can see myself in that parable. And well, in all of these parables, we can find ourselves to some degree. If you've read through them, you probably amen and amen on it. But, um, but, but the whole thing with the parable of lost sheep, well, sheep are dumb. You know, they are. They're not the most intelligent creature. And I really exhausted a lot of time last week just trying to show you guys what you really like. <laughs> some took offense. Well, listen, I didn't call you a sheep. The Lord did. You're a dumb creature. <laughs> you know, they're not really intelligent just to, you know, to, to, to keep it in its context. So the reason he got lost was because of just sheer dis- stupidity. And sheep are so dumb that if they go through an opening, they don't even know how to come back through it in order to find the flock again. Well, I think we can all allude to, to that, or we can all make application to that fact, that sometimes we find ourselves lost just because of sheer stupidity. And then he dealt with this woman who lost a coin, 10, actually. And um, when you think about the coin, it's inanimate. You know, it doesn't have any mind, it has no conscience. It's, just, it's lost because of maybe carelessness or recklessness. Someone lost it. And uh, we can say, well, yeah, been down that road as well stupidity yeah carelessness yeah me too i mean I got a little careless there and we, and you know you kind of get lost in the shuffle of things but when we go into this third parable the parable of the lost son it's not because the son was stupid and it's not because anyone was careless it's really pride and and rebellion and disrespecting the father in heaven and disrespecting his, his earthly father and you look through these things and you go, oh, my goodness. In all of them, though, at the end, something's found. So in all three of these, something's lost, something's found. And then what happens after that? Everything is, is fine and we rejoice and we make merry. And we see that in all these three parables. So we come into this parable, what we call the parable of the prodigal son, Now listen, the reason we name these parables most likely because we read a commentary, and it's the commentary that says, well, this is the prodigal, but the word prodigal is not even in this parable. And when you look at this parable, you really see three parables in one. You've got the the parable of the lost son, you have the parable of the father, and you have the parable of the eldest son. So in a sense, you can break this parable up into three sections you can look at the son and go, oh my goodness, I see a little bit of him in me too. And then you look at dad and you go, yep, there's dad. And you look at the last one and you go, oh, I don't like to uh, admit to this, but sure enough, there's that there's, there's that son in me, the oldest son. So with all that in mind, let's just take our time and let's go through it. Well, let's, let's just keep praying as we go through this. But uh, verse no, it wasn't verse 1 what was it verse, uh, verse 11 he says there's a certain man again this is just a parable and he had two sons and he says the younger of them the youngest son don't know the age but he says the youngest of them said father give me a portion my of the estate of goods that that have fallen to me, and I will uh, divide unto them. And so he divided. Notice at the la- latter part of verse twelve, he divided unto them to them. So apparently he's actually now forced to render the other portion to the eldest son. Now listen, mannerisms and customs teach that um, the eldest son would get two thirds. Of dad's possessions or the estate. The youngest would get one third. Um, usually the eldest would get the estate. He would get probably the majority of the land. The youngest would get some some coinage or some money and maybe some heirlooms or something like that. The youngest son would get that. Now as we look at this thing, if you look at verse 12, it's almost where he says, now give me. Just give me now this is something that would be very disrespect. this is very disrespectful the youngest son would never go to his elder his father and demand his inheritance now their law taught that that the father was not permitted to release the estate or his inheritance until he dies so in a way what the son is saying to that now listen this is how disrespectful this kid has gotten he's basically saying dad I wish you were dead I want it now give me give me give do you ever see a young child that just give me give me give me you want to give them something but it's not what they're asking for Uh, in love but it, it's sort of like it just, it, for another person to hear that, it, doesn't it just kind of gnaw at you? Like either give it to him never mind. But anyway, give it to me. And it says he wants the portion, so he divides it unto them. And then it says, not many days after the youngest son gathered all together. Now stop there just for a second. Don't want you to miss this. He doesn't leave right away. He kind of lingers back a bit. And he starts to sell off all the heirlooms. and start. He's, just, he's going down to the local pawn shop, as it were. And now he's just got a ton of cash with him. And he's going to go out and he is just going to waste it all notice what it says. He gathers it all together, and he takes, whose journey is this? It's his journey. Now, I want you to just let me have your attention for a minute, because this is, this is so heartbreaking. Not not just because we see this, this is something the kid wanted, he wanted to go on his own little journey, he wanted to do, but I have seen this over the years. And it breaks your heart, you know, you Especially with a younger Christian, where you know he's been fed the Word and he's and he's got a great foundation and he's solid in his walk, then all of it, well, I cannot, I can't, I can't do this except to be real with you. I had a young man that was a part of the ministry, and he, and so much was invested, and someone got into his head saying, "You just have to follow your dreams." You know, you're so talented. You just What is it you what you what is it you want to do? God wants you to enjoy your dreams and and so one evening it was a Wednesday night. He just walked up to me and he just said, "Here's a journey I've got to take." Now he didn't use those words, but he goes, "There's dreams I need to follow, and I can't do it here." Now this was years ago, five or six years ago. And today he has wasted so much of what God had instilled into his life, his foundation, to where if I even showed you a picture of him today, you would say, that's not the same, the same prodigal. That's not the same kid. And it isn't just one. I can tell you examples after example where something, get, something gets into the head of a person where they think they have a different journey and they're going to take this journey. And what happens is they begin to squander all that God has invested into their lives. And you look at them, and you just, well, he takes his journey, and there he wasted. Now, this is why we call this the prodigal of the lost son, or the prodigal son, because the word waste there literally means to it's prodigal. You're wasting something. He wasted his substance there in verse 13. What was his substance? Well, it was all that the father had saved. It was all the father had invested in. It was the father's love. It was the father's effort. For the believer, what's, what's our substance? Actually, the word substance literally means sub it's the greek word literally means things in which it's built on like a foundation the sub flooring the sub foundation all that and we we have been birthed and we have been grounded in the word of god and in the grace and the mercy of the lord when we take that and we start to think you know what i have my dreams I have my desires. They might not seem or appear that they're contradictory to the word of God, but it isn't what God has for us. It might even look good. It might even seem good. But no, no, no. You're going to go out. You're going to waste it. And you're going to find yourself in a very bad place. And I even see believers doing that today. So he wasted on riotous living. Look at verse 14. And when he had spent it all, there arose a famine in the land. And he began to be in want. He began to be in need. You know, you just watch this, this unfold. You see that he wasted his substance, you know, and he, he squandered, he spent it all, and now he's dealing with a famine in his life, and now he is in want, he's in dire need, and the next thing we're going to see, he's going to start to long for things that, that his father never wanted for him, and that was pig food. You know, it breaks my heart when I see a dad pleading with his son or a daughter, don't go out there there's nothing out there for you. You're going to find yourself out in the world and you're going to think at first it's going to be very glamorous and you're thinking you're following your dreams and you you're thinking you're but you know you're going to end up you're going to end up in a pig farm. You're going to end up and you're going to even ask, "Can you just feed me some of the pig food?" And you know what? People aren't even going to be there for you to even give you pig food. But now, you know sometimes when I I, I I pray for prodigals today you know I I pray that Lord give them a famine you you know and listen this is just a little side note um, dad mom um, and I'll try to say this as gently as I can sometimes we keep our prodigals away from famines because we love them so much we don't want them to go hungry we don't want them to get hurt by the world and yet what we do is we keep them In that state because we keep enabling and we don't you know we don't we don't bring them a famine let them find themselves in pig slop let them find themselves where they're in want where they have to cry out and we're going to see this kid crying out in a minute so he went in verse 15 and it says that he joined himself to a citizen now he's looking for work and he spent or he sent him into the field to feed swine. Can you imagine Jesus is by the way, he's telling this this parable to a bunch of religious leaders, Jewish religious leaders, and he's now, now this kid's in the middle of a a pig farm and he's eating pig pig husks or corn husks. And again, verse 16, it says there, he would have fain filled his body. He would have eaten it himself, but nobody would give it to him. And verse 17, he says, and when he had come to himself, folks, let me ask you a question. Why did he come to himself? Because there was no one enabling him. There was no one coddling. See, there's a time where you literally have to say, "I, I just can't help you. I can't. I just, reading this, I, I text my son, and I'm, you know, I'm sure he wouldn't mind me uh, sharing it. But I had one of these. How many know prodigals? Could you raise your hand? Just How many of you have ever experienced a prodigal son or a daughter? Can you raise your hand? There's nothing worse, is there? You know they're making so many mistakes. And, I, and I, I can remember just looking at my, my, my son called me, and, and he was crying out for help. And I said, ah, son, I don't think there's anything I can do to help you. I knew there wasn't repentance in his heart. I knew the only reason he wanted to come back around was because he was just you know, in dire straits. And I just said, I can't help you. But it was because I took that action where he found himself in want. And he began to get things serious with God. And the next thing I know, I hear him on a phone, not saying he's killing himself, but on a phone saying, hey, Dad, I heard the Lord's voice for the first time. It's something that's so hard to teach. But I'm telling you something, Mom, Dad, sometimes we're their worst enemy. And it's because we just love them. We don't want to see them get hurt. But if you love them, you'll let them go. You'll give it to them, just like this dad did. And you'll just say, I'm praying for you. I'm waiting for you to come home. So he's there, and he comes to himself in verse 17. How many hire, hired servants, these are slaves of my father's, have bread enough, and they even have leftovers. That's what it means, to, and even to spare. They have leftovers. But I'm dying here. I am dying in this hunger. So this is what he's doing. He's, he's at his end. You can just see him sitting there, and he's got pigs around him. He smells like pigs. His clothes, he, you know, he, according to the text, no shoes on his feet now. I mean, he's probably homeless. And now he begins to rehearse what he's going to say when he gets home. All right, when I get there, I know I'll probably have to knock on the door, and I'll say, Dad... I've sinned against God, and I know I've disrespected you. That's the first thing. You know, and I'm no longer worthy to even be called your son. The word worthy means I'm no longer even, it's not fitting to even be part of your family now. I know I've blown it that bad. And if you can find it in your mercy, if you can just make me like one of your hired servants. So he's rehearsing this even before he takes off. Trying to head back home. Okay, how, how did it go? All right, I'm, I've sinned against heaven. I have God. I've sinned against you. I'm, I've disrespected my father. I told him he, he was, w- that, you know, that, that I wish you were dead. And if, and if I could, I, I'm not fit to, to be called a. Sin. So if I could just be a, a, a servant, just make me what, like, and you can just see this kid rehearsing this going back home. He gets to verse 9. I'm no more worthy to be called your son. Just make me as one of your high. So he arose and he came to his father. He's heading home. And when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him. He said, well, you know what this tells me? The father was looking for him. And I can just see this. This father never gave up hope for his lost son. I'm just going to keep waiting. You know, there's a story that um, this guy Robert Chapman tells, and he talks about this evangelist H.W. Brown. He was an evangelist back mid 19th centuries, but anyway, he was holding these campaign meetings. This evangelist around one of the lakes in Wisconsin, and it was a very successful campaign. People were coming to Jesus left and right, just very successful. But Mr. Brown, the evangelist, saw a man sitting every day, every evening in the front row there, and he became friends with him. And this guy, his name was James Stewart, not the actor. And um, he got to know him very well. And the campaign was over. And uh, so they said farewell to each other. But the following year, uh, according to Chapman, um, the evangelist Brown came back. And as he was coming off the train, he sees James Stewart. And he goes, what are you doing here? Oh, I'm, I'm waiting for my son. Because you're waiting for your son. Is he on the train? Did I miss him? Well, no, I'm, I'm not sure if he's on it. Well, wait a minute. You're waiting for him, but you're not sure... He says, what's going on? He goes, well, after, the, after your last meeting, I had kind of a falling out with my son. And he just wanted to leave. And I begged him not to. And I told him there was nothing out there for him, that everything he wanted, everything that would make him feel fulfilled, is right here. And he refused. But he did tell me that he would come back eventually. So I just wait here. Every day I come down to the trade station, I oh, just wait. So the next year, uh, the evangelist comes back and there' James Stewart again, a year later. And a second, third year. Every year, when he would come back, he'd see this man, and he's getting older, he's getting gray, and he's getting tired looking. Thirteen years. And the story goes that that thirteenth year, as he's coming off, he sees his friend, he goes, "How you doing, James?" He goes, I'm still, and as he's saying, I'm still waiting, he sees his son in the train car. I wish you could read this story. He runs. He's pushing everybody out. Gets hold of his son. He's weeping. He's crying. Uh, sorry. <clears throat> I got something stuck in my throat. Uh, listen to me. There's nothing more evil, sinister, than try to depict God as someone who is angry, someone who is hostile, misrepresenting Him. That's what I tell my colleagues. You never misrepresent Jesus in anything. He's not mad at the prodigal. He's waiting patiently. And when he sees him, he comes running. So in in their culture, it was something that was not dignified. It was something that older men did not run. You just see this man pushing aside my son's home. Falls on him, kisses him. That's the father's heart towards the son. See, the Pharisees who was listening to this parable thinking, no, no, God's mad at the backslider. You've got to repent or you're going to perish and all now, You know, there might be somebody here today. You, you, you're that prodigal. See, everybody thinks the prodigal son is just someone who's lived a very riotous life. and No, no, it's anyone. It can be you. It can be me. Where we begin just to waste, squander what God has invested in our lives. I'm a prodigal. I start, and unless I catch it right away. But he goes and he says this as the Father's. Way well, he has compassion, he runs and he falls on his neck and he kisses and the son says, Wait a minute, wait a minute, Dad. I got I rehearsed this all the way. Wait, I've sinned against heaven, Dad. I've sinned against you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. I don't fit into the family anymore. And before he could get the third one out, just give him, you know, make me a higher servant. The dad stops him and he starts to cry. In verse 22, he cries to his servant, Oh, bring in a robe. Put it on him. Put a ring on his finger. Put shoes on his feet. Now I know if you go through this real quickly you're going to miss something so important here. Listen. Okay, this is what I'm going to tell Dad. I'm no longer... No, I've sinned against Heaven. And I've sinned against you, Dad. I disrespect you. And the Dad says, okay, son, I get it. But you know what we'll do for you? We'll put a robe on you. And we'll cover all that. I I know why you feel that way, but... I'm going to robe you. And that most scholars believe it's his robe. It's the father's robe. It's not the son's. That went with him, or he sold it at the pawn shop. This is the father's robe who covers him. Folks, you and I are covered with the robe of righteousness, even for the prodigal who wants to come home thinking, no, you know, I don't, I've sinned, Harry, and that's OK. But he's still waiting for you to put a robe on you. OK, Dad. I. I, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son okay that's okay and I get that so here's my ring for you this is a signet ring which gives you you know you got all the rights again to all the inheritance you haven't missed the beat son now you're you're part of the family it's my ring on your finger and before he could even get about the servants he servants didn't wear shoes and he goes look I notice you think you're going to be my servant you're not going to be my. I'm going to put shoes on your feet he addresses everything that this kid thought he was going to say to his father. I'm going to put a robe on you, and I'm going to make you part of the family. You are fitting, and I'm going to put shoes on your feet, buddy. You're not going to be a servant. Now he goes on, and he says this. Bring hither the fatted calf. What's a fatted calf? Well, it's definitely not a skinny calf, but uh it's one that you save for a special occasion. You just plump that thing up, you know. It's that, it's that veal. <laughs> Sorry. You just you keep it tender and ripe, you know, and it's just for a special occasion. And he says, bring out the fatted calf. Let's kill it. Well, that's always good. You don't want to eat them alive. And he says, let's eat and let's be merry. He says, for my son, he was dead and now he's alive again and he was lost and now he is found and they began again to make merry you know i have to share this story quickly because i want to get into the latter part of this parable and what deals with the older son um but you know this is the father's heart the father's heart is anyone who just they recognize you know they've wasted whatever you know a uh, riotous living but when they determine i'm coming home once they're found like the lost sheep Hey, I found my sheep. Hey, I found the coin. Let's make merry. Here, there's rejoicing. I remember years and years and years ago, I was at this meeting where Raul Reese was preaching. You know, and Raul Reese is a pastor, a Calvary Chapel pastor out on the west coast. But um, you know, I remember Raul. In fact, he was preaching on the woes in the Bible, and uh, and right next across the aisle, I was on an aisle see and right across the aisle was this young young lady and i would say maybe she looked around 18 or so and you could tell that they weren't believers they weren't christians you know they they were watching when people stood up they kind of stood up and then when bibles they didn't have bibles and they're just kind of white knuckling the chair arm like what are we doing here but there was something in my heart i didn't know i never met her in my life but i just god just put such a burden i just started praying for her I go oh god if this is the night for this young lady if this is the night and i remember through the whole message just praying for her and more the more i prayed the more she was fidgeting in her seat and i i don't know he made the first altar call then the second third and i don't know which time but all of a sudden i just saw her force her way up and she stood And she started walking down the aisle on her. There's tears coming down. And I'm sitting there, I'm crying like an idiot, you know. I'm just going, you know, just look at this, you know. And I was so full. So the person next to me thought I needed to get saved. (laughs) Would you like to go up? I'll go with you, you know. Yeah, you're killing the moment, man. No, but he said well then why are you so emotional why are you so I said Did you, didn't you see her go up she, she's gonna go get saved I mean how many we, we've watched the old Billy Graham crusades and we start to see the hundreds start you're sitting there and you're not sad but you're so happy somebody's coming from being lost to being found being dead being alive and if that doesn't put joy in your heart as a Christian nothing will nothing not on the side man of of eternity this that just that moment when someone gets saved I like, oh and so this this dad is so so excited about his son he wants to have a party with everybody he wants to make merry now we're introduced to the older son the older son was in the field probably where he should be and as he came, he drew nine to the house. And he heard the music and the dancing. So he calls one of the servants, and he asks, what are these things, what do they mean? And he said unto him, wow, well, your brother has come, and your father has killed the fatted calf. Whoa, not the fatted calf, because he has received him safe." and sound that word safe and sound literally is a one it's one word but it means healthy and whole and complete notice his reaction you wonder who was more farther from the father's heart the son the youngest son or the oldest he's angry he's angry would not go in he makes the father come out to him you talk about being disrespectful I'm not going in there. If he wants to talk to me, you tell him to come out here. You know, the son was angry and wouldn't go in. So the father goes out to him and he entreats him. You know, anger, gang, is a funny thing, isn't it? But by the way, we all get angry. Anybody exempt from anger here would love the media. We all do, but God has called us to control the emotion right angry and what sin not ah, 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 you know oh, anger very let me read this to you it's very damaging it tells us this be angry sin not don't let your son go down upon your wrath we we'll see that in the eldest son here don't give place to the devil say so the devil the enemy can use anger let him who steals steal no more but rather labor working with his own hands let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it might, it might minister grace to the hear. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. When we get so angry, and, we, and like this young man who could care two hoots about this younger brother, I don't care. You wasted a good calf on that guy. You're making a party. You haven't even, well, let's read through the whole thing. He goes, he hears the dance. He said, your brother has come home. He's angry. Verse 29, he answered. He said to his father, lo, these many years do I serve you. Neither transgress. I've never disobeyed one of your commandments. You've never even given me a goat, let alone a calf, man, that I might celebrate with my friends. But as soon as this, notice, as soon as this, your son, doesn't even call him his brother, he comes home, he's devoured all the, lived with harlots and riotous living, and you kill the cat. see what the son is saying here to him, he goes, dad, you're as bad as he is. You're just as wasteful. You would waste this on this guy? he said unto him son listen listen you can see him listen son you're... he goes thou art with me forever all that i have is yours already what's the problem this was your brother who was once lost this is your brother in fact he even calls him your brother in verse 32 the dad saying this was your brother not just some guy not just my son it was proper, it was fitting, fitting for him to, I mean, for us to have this this party and this reception. It fits! Rich, you can make your way out, buddy. Because your brother was dead, and now he's alive again. He's lost. And he is found. You know, gang, you can't you can't say, "I love God," and yet hold that kind of animosity against a brother. It doesn't fit. There is something in the nature of God where if you say you love God, you need to love your brother. You can't hold. You can't be like this, elder son. You know. Um, where someone might be backslidden for years, and all of a sudden they finally come to themselves, they find themselves in want, they come to their senses, they come home, and now they're in church. And we should, like the dad, receive him with joy. Make merry, because he once was lost, now he's found. He once was dead, now he's alive. And we should be excited. We shouldn't have this mentality. Oh, wait a minute! I've been serving in this chair, in this church for twenty some years, and this guy comes in and he's been backslidden all these years, and now you're ready to kill the fatty calf and do some burgers outside for him. And I, you know, but that is the Father's heart. It's exciting, and it should make our hearts merry when someone comes to that place where he goes. You know what? Out there, I was in the pig slop, and in here, I'm in God's grace, the Father's mercy. Let me read this to you, just in closing. We love God because he first loved us. If any man says, I love God, and yet he hates his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he hasn't hasn't seen? So this is the commandment that we have from him, that he who loveth God loves his brother also. No room in the kingdom of God for animosity towards another person, even if they have squandered their living, even if they made waste all that God had instilled into his heart. Well, we need to be praying for. Again, raise your hand. How many of you guys have prodigal, prodigal sons, prodigal hands, prodigal? Well, we're going to make that our prayer today. Not that we'll go out and rescue them. But they will find themselves in want. That maybe a famine will come. And that just maybe they'll come to their senses. And maybe they'll be like this kid. Saying, you know what? Alright, I've sinned against God. And I've disrespected a lot of other people, man. And I'm not worthy to be called a Christian. So maybe it's just this... A servant when they come home gang you and I should kill the fatted calf put a ring on his finger, shoes on his feet because he once was lost now he's found he once was dead and now he's alive would you do me a favor if you raised your hand would you just stand just the rest of you keep sit, sitting the rest of you stand if you've got a prodigal in your life your heart's broken for them. You don't have to stand. You can sit there and stand in your heart, but that's rebellion. Stand if you have a prodigal in your life and you want to see God. All right, the rest of you, I want you to stand up. And I want you to turn around or get close to someone. Put your hands on those that stood. And we're going to pray that God, there you go. This is what the church is to do. Pray for one another. Hang on, Rich. Ready? Father, as we stand before you, we thank you for this parable. And we don't want to stand before you like a Pharisee or a scribe. We don't ever want to look down our noses at anyone. We see your heart in this parable. And we see the hearts of the parents, the relatives, for everyone who stood for that prodigal father you said it's your will that none perish but all come to repentance so right now lord i ask in jesus name if you need to send a famine send it if they have to endure the pig slop as it were lord if that's what it takes let it happen but bring them back to their senses let them experience lord your goodness and your grace that you're ready to put a robe of righteousness around them. You're ready to put a ring on their finger and shoes on their feet. So we're going to believe you, Lord, and trust in you to grant unto us our heart's desires this morning. Oh, how we love you, Lord. Please, Lord, bring back our prodigals by your mercy and grace. In Jesus' name, and everyone said together, amen. Amen.